Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Thank you, thank you. Good to see everybody from this angle. Awesome. Oh, it was good. Like uh, Josiah said, uh, it was a good morning. You're in for a treat, not because of me, but because of what God is going to do this morning through all of us. Um, but here is the card of what uh, Josiah was talking about, so make sure you grab these on your way out. Uh, Easter is a really big deal. Today is a big deal, but Easter is an even bigger deal. Um, N.T. Wright said really well, he said, if you take away the, uh, the birth of Jesus, you lose two chapters in the gospel. If you take away the, the resurrection, you don't have a New Testament. And actually, you're still dead in your sins. So it, it is a huge deal, and it's very right that we celebrate it and make a big deal out of it and let people know. So I just want to, we're going to actually um, do a few different things this morning. We're going to end up closing with a time of communion. So uh, we're going to receive communion together as a church family. Um, you know, if you want to participate, you can. If you don't, that's totally fine. Uh, personally, I can't think of anything more healthy you can do than to receive communion in the days that we're in, right? So if you, if you want to, we're going to participate together. I have a few things to share on my heart before we get there, though. Um, one thing I will say is it has been a little over a year, right, since the pandemic started. So a little over a year, we were scrambling as a church to, like, move immediately to full online. Uh, you know, it was just, like, crazy. Everybody pitched in and helped, and our church has really uh, thrived over this last year in spite of the challenges, uh, which is really cool. Um, but I, one of the things I notice is that we've all become more casual in life it feels like, right? Uh, it was just, and that's not necessarily bad or a good thing, but even myself this past week, I went to Wegmans to get some stuff and I was wearing my slippers. And like nothing, uh, you know, nothing even registered with me. I'm like, oh, everybody's probably doing this now, right? So, or, so I walk into Wegmans, I'm wearing my slippers to different stores. I'm like, I'm working from home, you know, I'm comfortable, casual. Um, maybe you get to a certain age and you just don't care anymore and you do, I don't know. But, or it's the pandemic, and it's like we're all like more comfortable, more casual than we've normally been. I went to drop uh, some clothes off at the laundromat, and this poor old lady running this place, there's like empty racks in there. She's like, what are people wearing these days? I'm like, hoodies, sweatshirts, you know, button shirts with a pair of jeans. That's our dressed outfit, you know? Like, if we got an important meeting, this is what I'm going to wear. If I'm preaching on a Sunday, this is what I'm going to wear. Um, so, but it's like everything has turned very casual, but we've had to adapt, right? So I wonder what that will actually go back to, if that'll stay around or whatever. But it is kind of funny if you think about it. Um, but we shifted overnight, right, the church. I love the shift because I think that the church and the message of the gospel has gone all over the world in the airwaves. I mean, we're taking up more bandwidth than we've ever taken up for the gospel. So that is really cool. Um, businesses, if you're in business, actually I should have said, uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Steve Hogan. Uh, I've been a longtime member of this church, father, husband, friend to many, leader, wherever God calls me to serve, um, but that's, that's who I am. But I'm in business as well, and a lot of us probably, uh, if you're in the community, you shifted overnight, and everything went full remote, right? Everybody's sent home. Everybody's working from home, unless you were in, like, a really critical area and you had to report in. 
Um, so uh, everything changed. But the ones that uh, have adapted were the ones that have been successful and stayed relevant, right? The ones that have adapted. And on all year, I have felt this message from the Lord about the Christians are called to be the most flexible and adaptable people on the planet. We should be setting the lead in what it looks like to be flexible and adaptable, right? Uh, and I love it. And I think the church has done a really great job in spite of it all. But sometimes we can get stuck, if we're honest. You know, some of us, you know, I mean, all of us can get stuck. I'll put myself there. You know, that I've read the same Bible version for the last 45 years, and it's worked for me, praise God. I sit in the same seat every Sunday morning. It works for me. You know, there is a little bit of a pull toward comfortability and uh, inertia can kind of set in. Um, but we're called to grow strong in our faith and at the same time stay flexible and adaptable, right? Um, and how do you do that? By following the Spirit of the Lord, by following the Spirit of God, following the river of what God is doing in the earth. I want to read this real quick. This is from um, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 and 23. I gave the wrong reference the first service, so everybody was scrambling. Um, but this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. Paul modeled adaptability and flexibility. He says this, Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, I didn't take on their way of life, but I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world, and I tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I love that. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Isn't that good? The Apostle Paul said things like, I have had much, and I've learned to live with little didn't matter what season he was in, he was ready. He, he, was, uh, he was ready in season and out of season. We're called to be the same. We've done a good job, but we need to remember we're going to, going forward, continue to be adaptable and flexible. In the kingdom, our adaptability is rooted in our sonship, knowing that we're a son and a daughter. You don't have to fight your way into a kingdom. You don't have to fight your way into a role or something because you're already in the family. So when we know that, it frees us of having of a works mentality or having to make things happen. Um, and then ultimately, I just want to make this point, when you shift and move and you follow the Spirit of God, you will stay relevant and you will continue to bear fruit. How many want to continue to bear fruit? Me. I can't think of anything more exciting than bearing fruit in the kingdom of God. When you're plugged in in the place that you know you're supposed to be and you're rooted and grounded and you're bearing fruit, that is an awesome thing. And it looks like saying like to the Lord, here I am, Lord. Where do you need me? What do you need me to do? What do you need to pick up? What do you need me to lay down in this season? What role do, can I play? How can I get involved? How can I serve? How can I step aside and let others step up? I mean, it looks like a variety of things. But being flexible... And if we do that, we won't find ourselves on the sidelines watching, but we'll stay in the flow of what God is doing on earth. Amen? That was for free. Now it's time for the message. Thank you, Drew. You got that. 
Uh, I've called today, so we're gonna, I'm going to share for a little bit, and then we're going to go into a time where we're going to receive communion together. But I've called the message, All for Love's Sake. And when you think about um, Palm Sunday, as Josiah said, he asked me if I brought my palm branches. I said, no, I'm sorry, I left them all at home. I meant to hand them all, no, I'm just kidding. I don't have any palm branches. <clears throat> but Jesus entering Jerusalem is called the triumphal entry. Actually, it's kind of funny because, I mean, was it really triumphal? I don't know. Uh, but it was humble, but it was with kingdom authority, right? Big difference. It wasn't earthly, but it was kingdom authority. And I think of Jesus riding on that donkey, and, you know, I think of the things that we do when we love people, <laughs> you know, the things that we do for love. And if I was Jesus, I would have made a terrible Jesus, probably, I would have been like, okay, God, it's time to do this thing. Um, you know, you prophesied it in Zechariah. I need to fulfill the prophecy. I, I know I got to ride in on a donkey. I'll do it. I'm going to do this one time, and I'm going to do it one time only. So get your camera out. This isn't happening again, God. Okay, Father, uh, I will do it. And now he gets on the donkey, and it's like, okay, my feet are touching the ground. This is embarrassing, um, you know, <laughs> but let's go do this thing. Uh, that would have been me, probably or many of us, but for him, the things that he did for love were, was incredible. And that's what we celebrate today, Palm Sunday, the day before Passion Week, right? Leading up to the resurrection. Uh, the things we do for love, we've done some pretty crazy things in our lives when we love somebody, right? <laughs> I, I know I have. I mean, that was pretty quiet. Am I the only one that has ever done things for, crazy for love? I mean, I am a totally different person than I was 22 years ago in some ways. I mean, people who knew me back then and know me now would be like, oh my gosh, you are so much more kind and sensitive. I mean, the things that we learn and the ways that we shift in our lives, knowing God, knowing the kingdom, right? We can make some pretty big uh, shifts in our lives when we love someone. I will even, because of love, sit and watch a show like This Is Us. And because I love her, I will watch This Is Us. I, I know you guys cry during it. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to offend you, but <laughs> stop looking. I will watch This Is Us because I love her, right? I will watch Manufactured Drama. I mean, a great, great TV show. I will watch it. Love is the thing that makes a dude watch Sense and Sensibility or Pride and Prejudice or whatever the list is. Uh, we do crazy things because we love people. You will watch, Joy will watch John Wick with me. Actually, no, you haven't actually watched that with me yet. So <laughs> I had to watch it with my guy friends. But we need to. But the things that we do for love, when I think of our, um, our engagement, you know, when, when I had a great, grand idea to propose to Joy. She was living in Philadelphia at the time. <clears throat> and um, we, I had this idea. I'm like, we're going to have dinner in the city. After dinner, we're going to go and we're going to do a carriage and a horse and buggy ride around whatever that Liberty Square is or whatever, around the Liberty Pole. And then I'm going to get down on one knee, I'm going to look up and our eyes are going to connect and there's going to be love in the air and I'm going to propose. And it was going to be great. And uh, so I'm like, I'm willing, I'm not even that super creative and like super romantic. I've gotten more as time goes on. But like, I will do it. The things I'll do for love, I know it's important to her. I'm going to totally shift and do this. So we do, we, we, the night comes, we're downtown, picked a nice Italian restaurant. 
as we're eating, it starts to downpour like I have never seen it rain, like there was going to be another flood on the earth. I mean, it was just nuts. And so we're watching this, and of course, now I'm like sweating, I'm nervous, I'm like, this is a disaster. You know, we're eating, and I think we ate for, talked for three hours, I'm trying to come up with stuff to say so the rain stops, you know, and we can go out. Uh, we get out there, the rain chased away. There's like nobody in the city of Philadelphia, it seems like. It's gone. The horse and buggies took off, I think, a long time ago. There's nothing. So I'm panicking, right, as every guy would be. Like, what, what, what do we do, you know? So we go walking. We walk like two miles down. I said, oh, let's go watch a fireworks show at Penn's Landing down by the river. It'll be great. You know, we walk like we have never walked before in the city. I mean, it felt like an eternity of walking, you know? And I'm nervous. I don't think she knows quite what's going on, but I think she actually did. I'm trying to not make it obvious that I'm panicking, you know, obviously. We get all the way down there, and the fireworks show is canceled, and all there is is a whole bunch of people around smoking pot. I said, this is a disaster. This is a disaster. This isn't romantic or memorable. So... We hightail it all the way back, walk back another two miles. Our feet are killing us, our shoes. It's just like, you know, she's in heels, and, you know, we weren't thinking that, you know. So um, <clears throat> we ended up doing it, proposing, and, and right in Continental Congress area there in a really cool area. It ended up working out well. But the things that we do for love, I'll walk all over a vacant city, you know, I'll watch This Is Us. I'll do whatever I need to do because I love you and I know it's important to you, right? Even suffer through This Is Us. I'll just say that one more time. <laughs> Manufactured drama. <laughs> I mean, I think of the things, too, that we, you know, playing with your kids, right? And obviously my kids are here, but we have some funny stories on that, too. The things you do for love, right? Um, I was a very active dad. I would, like, love to pack them all up if Joy was working, take them out for the weekend, and I got, like, a whole semi-truck full of bottles and diapers, and we'll go do whatever, you know, have a great time. But there are those times when you're on the floor playing with your two- or three-year-old, and you're like, oh, you know, okay, this is a little painful, you know, uh, you know if we're honest. So we would play animals uh, with my oldest one. Everyone ever played, like, those figurine animals, you know? And um, I would always be, she would be the great tiger, you know, a real cool one, and I would be, was told to be the dead stick tree. <laughs> you're this. I'm like, I'm this. What am I supposed to do? That doesn't matter. You're the tree. Okay, I'm the tree. What if I want to be the, no, you're the dead stick tree. Okay, I'm the dead stick tree. What am I supposed to do with this? It doesn't matter. You do it. I'm the tiger. Okay, you're the tiger. And it's like after a minute or two of that, you're looking at your watch. You're like, why am I, why are we doing this? And you're like, well, I love you. I want you to have a great time. So you're trying to have a good time, right? If we're honest as parents, sometimes you do things because you know they love it, right? We would have great ideas. Joy would say, let's bake cookies. Let's do all these cookies. Get all the kids up like you see on Instagram. And it looks real professional. And they're all up mixing their stations. Well, within one minute, the bowl of flour is dumped out on the floor. There's flour all over the kitchen. And we look at each other like, what are we doing? You know, why did we do this? And we're laughing because of love. The things that we do when you love someone. And then I think about Palm Sunday, and I think about Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's almost incomprehensible 
that he had joy in about what he was about to do, or that there was an element of for, for the joy set before him, <clears throat> he knew what the end goal was. He knew what was happening, what, we, what the mission was. And there was joy in that because he fulfilled his purpose, the joy of knowing that he was redeeming a world, reconciling humanity to himself. I want to talk about this verse, which is a troublesome verse, Isaiah 53.10. I always for years had a difficult time like reconciling this. But the Lord was pleased to crush him and to cause him to suffer. That was God, you know, uh, prophetically spoken through Isaiah about God and about Jesus. But the Lord was pleased to crush him and cause him to suffer. And for years I'd hear messages where, oh, no, no, you got to understand, God loved us so much that he was willing to beat up his son on the cross. That was the way he demonstrated his love. And no matter how many times I heard it, I'm like, I still don't understand that. I still have a hard time seeing that as a picture of a loving God. But actually, there's a better translation of that that goes back much earlier to the Greek Septuagint that says, and the Lord desires to purify him of the plague. It's a big difference from, but the Lord was pleased to crush him. So what we see in that, what does that mean? It says it wasn't that God was pleased to bruise his son, but God was pleased that his son willingly laid down his life to absorb the sin of the world as a sickness upon himself so that we didn't have to. God was pleased, and he was willing to be part of that. It says that God was in Christ on the cross reconciling the world to himself. Like, what type of amazing king is that that would enter into our world when he didn't need to, willingly lay down his life as the pure spotless lamb, the only one who could take on the sin of the world because he didn't know sin. He was the antidote. He was starting a new covenant, and death was necessary to birth the new creation on earth. That was what the joy was that was set before him. He was, there was joy in knowing what was coming next. You see, God has wrath, but his wrath is directed towards sin, not to people. God doesn't look at you with wrath. That's not the picture of a loving God that we see when we look at these verses. God was not pleased to beat up and bruise his son. He was pleased that his son willingly entered our world and laid down his life to absorb the sickness of sin. Sin was like a sickness that covered the earth. It needed an antidote, and that was Jesus. This is what the joy was that was set before him. Healing, redemption, starting a new covenant of love and not of works. The new covenant was about love. Love others as I have loved you. It wasn't about fulfilling 600 plus laws and ordinances anymore because you know that wasn't working out all that well. You know, God was willing to enter our world, initiate a new covenant. Blood had to be shed to start a new covenant. It was his blood. It was perfect blood, and that is what started and initiated the new covenant. We're going to celebrate that today. Uh, when you think of, uh, and I think of all that he went through, and that's what I really want us to get this morning, and we're going to receive communion in this uh, mindset and in this mode the what he went through on the cross. Now, we've all heard a lot of stories about it, and we know, uh, but the crucifixion was invented by the Persians, perfected by the Romans, um, and it was just brutal. 
And there's a reason it says that despising the shame, because the Jews would have looked at crucifixion as absolutely, utterly shameful. It was the worst thing that could happen in that culture, because the worst of the worst died. So he took on, it was humiliating, it was a humiliating way to die, but it was also excruciatingly painful. And, you know, with nails in your feet and nails in your hands, in order to breathe, you had to push yourself up somehow. And you couldn't when you have nails in your feet and nails in your hand. And often it, they would suffer in an agony like that for hours and days in absolute, complete agony until someone broke their legs and would just end it because they couldn't push up anymore to breathe. And, you know, this crown of thorns that we see is really, you know, perfect in pictures and things like that, just sitting daintily on his head it would have been a cap with thorns and like spikes that they would pound into your skull. I mean, it was painful beyond belief, but who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and the torture because he knew what was coming. Like, that is like amazing. We could praise him for a thousand years and it would not be enough. Um, so I want to kind of transition a little bit into a time of communion. We're going to receive it together. I'm going to give a little bit of instructions as to how we're going to do it. Um, again, if you want to partake, you can. If you don't feel comfortable, totally fine. You don't have to. Um, but uh, we, we do want to receive this together. If I can call up the worship team, the ministry team, the ushers, to kind of help get us some things set up in place. And then I want to just share for a minute or two on communion. Um, you know, it's like, it's a tendency to think of this as kind of like just a, you know, it's a ritual. You know, we do it in Christian circles. Uh, it's not a dead, lifeless ritual. It is filled with life and meaning and the presence of God. And we're going to be praying and praying in the presence of God this morning. We're going to be worshiping while we take this together. Uh, how many know that some rituals are really good? Right? Some rituals, yeah, we do it, we go through the motions. Some are really important. And this one, Jesus told us to remember him by. And so did Paul. Um, there's a mystical sense to receiving communion. You know, so I want us, as we take it this morning, don't just think of it like, oh, I've done it a million times and let's just go through the motions and blah, blah, blah. It, it is something that, feel it in your heart. Feel in what God is doing. Take in what Jesus did for you. Remember it. Let it change you. There's a, there's a oneness that is really felt during times of communion. It's called communion because we're in union. How many want your union with God to go deeper? I'm married 22 years. Some people in here married much longer, and you want your union with your spouse to go even deeper. You know, it never stops the, how entwined your lives become, Right? Um, I want my union with God to grow deeper. And he wants to do that this morning. When we were praying this morning with prayer teams, uh, a lot of them had a sense that God was awakening all five of our senses this morning here, hearing, you know, seeing, taste, smell. So you can pick up God in any way. And I think um, we just need to be ready for that. You know, God could be downloading to you this morning. You could see things. I think we're going to have angelic activity in the room as we're doing this. Um, you may hear the Lord speaking to you. It might just be thoughts in your own head. That's the Lord. Um, but there's a mystical aspect to communion that we're going to participate in today. And we're going to be praying that we experience the depths of his love. How many want to experience the radical depths of God's love? I mean, this is why we do this. This is why he told us to take communion. Um,
you know, we're going to be asking our ministry team, uh, people to actually give the elements to you. Um, they've been praying. They have been worshiping. There's something about receiving the, the presence of Jesus and partaking in that um, that we really want to be realized this morning. Before I read this, I just want to share. So what we're going to do is we've asked the ushers. They're going to be releasing rows to come up at a time so that it's just orderly and, you know, we don't have all this traffic running into each other. Um, they're going to, when they release your row, we're going to ask you to walk on the outer wall and come up to one of the tables and then go back through one of the center aisles back to your seats, okay? Um, and if you'd like to, to take it while you're up here and eat, you know, eat the bread and the juice you can or take it back to your seat, I'm going to pray over it when we all get seated anyways. Um, so I want to read this. I love this passage. This just orients our heart for what we're going to be doing. When we come up to the Lord's table, we're receiving the presence of Jesus. We're remembering all that he did for us. Um, we could take this every week and receive it together, and it wouldn't be enough. But um, 1 Corinthians 11 23. This is Paul saying, and this is the message version. I love this. He says, let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. The Master Jesus on the night of his betrayal took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. He said, this cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. He goes on to say, what you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this cup and every time you drink this cup or eat this bread and drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. It goes on to say at the end, So my friends, when you come together to the Lord's table, be reverent and courteous with one another. Uh, he actually calls it, it's a spiritual meal, a love feast. So Lord, we say this morning, we participate in this love feast, remembering the greatest love that was ever put into motion when you started this whole thing. We put ourselves back even 2,000 years ago. We joined with 2,000 plus years of church fathers and mothers that are participating in this same act as you told us to do. We receive this morning the presence of Jesus into our lives in a new way. Just like we sang this morning, Lord, it's all about our hearts being joined to yours, knowing what's on your heart, trusting, learning more about you, our union with you becoming deeper. you, God. So Lord, as we take this this morning, I pray that there is a deeper revelation of the depths of your love. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message, and we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again, and have a blessed day blessed day.